one of the big premier think tanks that spawned, just like the old monasteries did. This is based on the same system. They'd spawn off other branches of monks. And they were each specialized in their own area. And so you had the, the Dominicans, for instance, were into the law, the Vatican law. And then the Franciscans were into, people think mysticism, but you'll find that Roger Bacon, not Roger Bacon, but yeah, it was Roger Bacon, a pre- precursor of Francis Bacon. It was a guy who came up with the gunpowder and the cannon to help the military in his day. A long time ago, he was a Franciscan monk as well. They were into science. I'll be back with more after the following break. Hi folks, I am Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. I was mentioning before the break how the old monasteries were specialized in their own particular fields. Some were specialized in early medicine and it was those guys really who came up with the, but now was the herbal industry. Some were into trying to make hybrid plants, hybrid plants. And the monk who did that just happened in the right amount of combinations and mixtures to get it right first time oddly enough, or maybe got it from very, very old books. Because the old Catholic Church, with its archives, were, had tremendous knowledge of times gone by. But the point I'm getting at is, when the, the big rich men of the world in the 1800s, the robber barns, basically, were set up, and they're all gangsters, really. They're all very now respectable people. It took them years and years to be accepted by the blue bloods, as they call it. And uh, many books have been written about these powerful families, these robber barons of the United States and Canada. Although there were some who were basically born in Britain as well and who made their, their millions in the, the factory, the cotton industries that were all over the place at that time, where life was hell for the workers living in a fog of this cotton floating through the air all the time and the banging and clattering of machines that's the real past it was no Anna Green Gables story but we find that Albert Pike who belonged to the right of perfection in Freemasonry came out with morals and dogma and you can tell by the book and reading through it it took many authors to put it together because there's different writing styles in vocabulary, in use, in different chapters of the book. Specialities, in other words, in special areas, very much like Shakespeare's works as well. When you go into it, uh, the modern producers will tell you it, it takes specialists in different areas to, to put his stuff together. That's how the world is really run. And we've got to remember that the culture industry was understood thousands of years ago, how to run the minds of people and even use predictive programming in plays and dramas using their imagination. They made the image within. Imagine. You see, that's what it is. And they put the image in your head and you go off fantasizing and you, you, in a sense, work it into reality by what you do. Well, Pike talked about the big foundations that they were going to create, that would control the world. He said, we will, we, meaning the members of this particular organization, is only one branch of many. The Scottish Rite of Freemasonry 
called the right to perfection. He said, we shall gain wealth, incredible wealth, by all means, all means to get the wealth in, including the stock market. Now we're talking about manipulating it, maybe even controlling it. And we'll become masters over the masters of the world. And by that he also meant the setting up of foundations. And lo and behold, not too long after that, up pops the Rockefellers. In Canada you have the Bronfmans and different ones who all started at the same level. Uh, the Rockefellers were really gangsters initially. The old man was a gangster who took over the oil industry and he eliminated competitors by different methods in its full sense of the word too. And then after the slaughter of miners who worked for him, by sending off the militia to gun them all down, he got in professionals to give them a new image, a makeover. But then he came out with, they came up with the idea of foundations. And they came into a philanthropist. And very soon they had whole teams of people working on philanthropy for the Rockefellers. And what they did was to set up organizations. We now call them NGOs, non-governmental organizations. They would then pressure and lobby government to have laws instituted, uh, the course of civilization directed, and so on. But then you go into all the other foundations. Now, the Rockefellers also fund other foundations. But it's all to do, when you look at them all, the Ford, the Carnegie, and the, the, the plethora of them, they all have one thing in common. They came out of the eugenics movement. That's one thing they all were into in their early beginnings, and they still are into it. In fact, you'll find the latest Rockefeller, who's still teetering around, going to all these global meetings on YouTube, giving a talk about too many people on the planet, you know, in the same old speech that his grandpa was talking about. They never change. And then they get the Club of Rome, another premier think tank, again, all interrelated, where the founders, the two founders, in their book, their own book, published by the Club of Rome, tell you that it was them. They take the credit that in the 1970s, they looked for a way to unite the whole planet. And they realized that people only do that in wartime situations. They'll work hard and they won't complain. And governments can um, multiply their departments to take over all private enterprise and so on, food rationing, etc. Security, big issue. Therefore, they had to create a scenario of a wartime issue. And, and what would unite the planet, they said, but to make man an enemy of the planet and, and tell him. And they didn't mean just tell him, they'd teach the children as well that man was the enemy of the planet and were causing global warming. And in their words, they say that would fit the bill. See, they're looking for a reason. That would fit the bill. And the Club of Rome isn't just into that one aspect. They're into every aspect of your life. And they do make government's policies, all government's policy. And then they work with all the other cohort think tanks and, and foundations to guide us along a path that they've already planned. Now, the, 
the thing in a detective story is you get the clues on things when you get the same little bits of the agenda interwoven through apparently uh, differentiated groups then there's a connecting link between them you've got to ask yourself how come remember what Lenin said we shall win by the use of slogans remember that Lenin himself it was, he created, or at least was given, that the first dictatorship of the proletariat, as they called it, for the Soviet system, belonged to the World Revolutionary Society. He took over from Mazzini. Mazzini was trained to take over as the Pope of Freemasonry by Albert Pike. You can still get Mazzini's books. And Mazzini didn't fade away, and his organizations did not fade away. They, they transformed into the communist, the Soviet system, and Lenin was a member of it. Trotsky himself said in his own book called My Life, now don't be writing to me and ask me the ISBN numbers and doing all your work for you. I get so sick of it when people do. You've got high-speed internet, I don't. Why it says in my brain, I don't have the time when I'm shoveling snow to answer, answer trivial questions. Petrovsky said in that book, My Life, he said when he was escorted out of Russia by the NKVD, the early KGB, that they didn't have to go through in the formalities at the borders or any border because his two guards used Masonic signs and terminology when they greeted their opponents across borders. Trotsky himself in that same book said that he had been initiated into Freemasonry while he was in prison. And he also said that he was working on the biggest uh, pro-Premasonic book ever put together at the time as well. The next thing he knew, he was in Latin America, and Lenin, uh, Stalin eventually had set out a hitman on him, and that's where he, uh, he was killed. He was a loose cannon because he really had a tremendous ego, and he thought he had the right to expose a lot of secrets and be the first to do so, not because... He was against masonry because he was wanting it to be pushed to the front of guiding society, much like Manly P. Hall. He used a different kind of wisdom to get it across. But this takes me on to my point here. Because, you see, they looked at the whole of society. And as I say, this is eugenics. All of them are eugenicists. Pike was an incredible elitist himself. And all through the books of the period in the 1800s, if you understand what you're reading... He's telling you that there are inferior types and superior types, and the superior types are the minority, but they have the right to rule the cattle. In fact, Pike said that. He says, those who won't use their own minds, their own brain, are stake on the table and beasts of burden by choice and consent. They are the profane. And they looked at religion. You see, religion has always been used because humans are religious creatures. We've had over a hundred years of atheistic teachings through universities, schools, and so on, media, press, movies, to convince us we're just pieces of meat with uh, neuronal synapses and little biochemicals that, that go across between neurons in the brain. And that's all you are. And even at that, they realized it wasn't working quite, quite good enough, so they came up with what they called the New Age religion. But the New Age was set up 
in the 1800s by Blavatsky for this particular time period we're living in now. And it's really taken off. In fact, most folk who are in it don't even know it's called the New Age. They'll see they're in the advanced yoga classes or something. They have no idea. Or into channeling or past life experiences. And it takes me to Michael Gorbachev, because Gorbachev, who was the president of the Soviet Union, who worked his way up through the KGB, became leader of a, a, a group or a party to do with sustainability and environment. But his main thing was to create a new religion, and that's what I'm talking about tonight. Back with more after this break. This is Cutting Through the Matrix. I was talking about Mr. Gorbachev, and you wonder how he ties into all of this. It's interesting to note that the organization that he was set up to lead in the United States in California, when they gave him the Presidio at the time, the old army base, and staff and equipment and all the rest of it, that the, the license for that organization was already set up before and while he was still president of the Soviet Union. Which tells you there's big powers at work, you see, all the time behind the scenes, behind all the reality that's projected to you by the media. And Gorbachev came out with a book that was called Towards a New Civilization. In the book, he says that he himself was an atheist, and it was written in the typical Soviet communist style. When you read their books, by their, their fathers, as some of them called them, Lenin and Stalin and these guys. They talk as though they have a question and answer thing in their books. This is how they generally do the format. And they'll have people, young or old or elderly, asking some basic, very simple question. It's obviously been made up, you see. And they'll give out this very simplistic, uh, childlike type answer to they're talking down to a child. And that's how his book was written. And he said, early in the book, he says he's an atheist. And then later on, he says, he says, we are creating a new religion for the world. We. Now, I said, we didn't define who we were, but there's a we there, obviously. And what he meant were the organizations that were all networking together, big foundations, again, funded, not answerable to any public input, not answerable to the public through voting or anything. We don't vote them in, but they make public policy. They make educational policy make even the topics of education their policy. They come up with it all. They, they make health policy, mandatory inoculations policies, all kinds of policies, taxation policies, pollution policies, and taxing pollution policies. Everything you can possibly imagine. And they're all funded by foundations. And you, you look at the foundations, you say, my God, there's hundreds and hundreds of them but really, there's only a handful that fund all the other ones. That's how they set them up, just like they, they, they said it was based on how monks were set up and the different orders and how they spawn off another one to deal with a particular area. And Michael Gorbachev belongs to something that's called the World Wisdom Council. This atheist guy, you see. The World Wisdom Council. There's 
an article, by the way, before I get into this, in the paper recently. And Michael, he was interviewed in his home, and behind him was a big picture of the, the Virgin Mary with a child there. Next to it is a big portrait of himself with his mark on his forehead. And the connotation, he just makes a little joke about having the mark, the mark, you see, on his forehead, in a holy reference, which is quite amusing. What's even more amusing is he has all these portraits of himself all over the place, big ones. But that's kind of the height of narcissistic behavior, I think. Or megalomania, perhaps. But he belongs to the World Wisdom Council. And you say, what is the World Wisdom Council? Well, you see, it's a branch, it's a club set up, again, spawned by and funded by the Club of Rome. And the Club of Rome had a meeting in Budapest, then they changed it to the Club of Budapest. You know, they camouflage themselves, but it's really the Club of Rome. And it says here, the World Wisdom Council has been convened by the Club of Budapest, that's the Club of Rome, in cooperation with the World Commission on Global Consciousness and Spirituality, in the conviction that the paramount requirement in this age of discontinuity and transformation is to recognize that through the development of a new dimension of consciousness, the world can be constructively changed by women and men, wherever they live and whatever their interests in life. It seeks to cultivate wisdom as the highest priority for our time through various means, including the posing of some fundamental and far from obvious questions that bring into prominence glaring inconsistencies, paradoxes, dysfunctions, and pathologies in our individual, institutional, and cultural milieus. It affirms that our mindset and the way we use the many facets of our mind shape the reality of the world around us. And that takes me back to the book put out previously by Gorbachev, who knew all this stuff before they created the Club of Rome, and, or, or the Club of Budapest, which is just a branch of the Club of Rome. To his book, it says, Towards a New Civilization, because that was published before that, and in there he said that this new religion we are creating must be based on a form of earth worship. And he was talking about the, what we're hearing today, environmentalism and the Mother Earth and... We're just little ants on the planet, and there shouldn't be just so many of us in sustainability, etc. Well, here's what he said here at, at one of the, the meetings in, at the Club of Budapest, which is just the Club of Rome, one of their branches. This is from Michael Gorbachev, the honorary chairperson, Michael Gorbachev. It says here, and, and by the way, one of the, the main professors who's there is Ervin Laszlo. She's beautiful in this character. Quite interesting. She says, in my opinion, your initiative reflects the requirements of our day and expresses the totality of the measures sought these days for finding proper methods of warding off the fatal crisis that menaces our civilization on Earth. As the Club of Budapest currently notes, much humankind has long ago turned into a giant capable of solving any task of vital importance. And I think that's the music coming in. So I'll be back in a minute after these messages. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. 
archetypal Kjallan Watts back again, cutting through the matrix and reading an article from the World Wisdom Council. You know, those bright boys up there, the ones who are rather illumined. And it's from Michael Gorbachev. Michael Gorbachev, I should mention, a part one of his paintings he had there had the child Jesus painting the mark on his forehead, anointing him. In other words, you know, in the Soviet system, it wasn't until after the so-called Berlin Wall went down and the press could put out photographs to the Eastern Bloc countries of, of Michael Gorbachev in cruel frontal image. The people in the Soviet system never knew he had the mark on his head. It was forbidden to photograph him from that angle. And it's, it's great, isn't it? I mean, the power you can use by, by, by TV and cameras, seeing is believing. But anyway... These megalomaniacs that are vastly recruited by these big foundations and so on are all doing their jobs. And I'll continue with the speech that Michael gave, even though it's just a repetition of what he put in his own book a few years beforehand, because they all know what's coming, you see. He says, the human being is turning into his own enemy. A vicious circle develops from which nothing but the mind, the human mind, can find a way out. Naturally, there are objective processes that create conditions that are a threat and a danger for our species, we can, of course, manage to live with them at the price of greater or smaller difficulties. Ultimately, however, the greatest challenge facing the world is the result of the excessive irrational action of the human being or the other way around is lack of action. So once again, they're blaming humanity. Now, humanity, uh, they're sheep in a pen. That's what humanity is. Because their whole culture has been manufactured for them. Their educational system has been manufactured for problem too. Everything has been manufactured. So they, they give you the system. They give you what's right and politically correct and so on. And then they blame you when they've changed their minds and they've gone off in a different, different direction. They blame you for being rigid or stuck or something, unchangeable. And we were taught to be a consumer society. That was the big push from the top, from governments and media and so on. They consume. Now, of course, there's too much consumption. And so they want to get us back to sustainability, which again is eugenics, you see. Did you know that they're giving gift coupons out now from Planned Parenthood for abortions and things? That's how low we've sunk. And it also is how low we, we, we think of ourselves, which is a real point behind all of this stuff, to make you feel so small and insignificant, just another animal on the planet. Nothing special about you. Gorbachev goes on, he says, we often speak of human rights and justly so. However, we frequently dissociate these rights from responsibilities. On the other hand, human rights cannot be ensured if we disregard the human being's responsibility for his own behavior, his own activities, and his disregard of ethics and his own fate. I'm convinced that the World Wisdom Council, in helping us find answers to the challenges of life and the solution of concrete problems, will be able to focus attention on the fate of humankind and on its creative role, the role of the saviour. Boy, this guy is grandiose here. And not the destroyer of civilization, the role of the creator of a better, again, creator, hmm, of a better, more just way of life. Much success to the council and all its members and leaders and a good way forward. Forward used to be the, the name of the communist magazine for the United States from New York. And it changed into another magazine, but it's still the same one, really. 
And then it says Michael Gorbachev, former president of the USSR, Nobel Peace Laureate. And obviously anointed by Jesus himself. That's one of the foundations that spawned by the Club of Rome, one of the many organizations that spawned by them. And, as I say, when you go into their website, and I'll leave the links for you at the end of the show, you can see that the word sustainable, 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 all through it, you see. Again, going back to Gorbachev, the new religion they're creating, remember, is to do with basically a sort of form of worship of the planet. Well, guess who the high priest will be? And believe you me, this system of high priests, the white-coated priests with all their theories and the slide rules and all the rest of it is going to be more atrocious than any religion that's ever, ever existed on this planet before. Incredible, isn't it? And they're actually doing it when they hang, hang corpses up on wires that are plasticized and colored art and stuff fetuses or babies in jars of urine to degrade you and you think nothing of it or you are degraded, you see. You're desensitized to your own upcoming death or your neighbors for sure. You won't do a, a thing about that. Just like you don't care about the slaughtering across the whole planet in the name of progress where they're going to standardize the whole world to make it peaceful by slaughtering everyone else who's different from you. Thank God we have these wise people running it. It reminds me of Benjamin Franklin too, and it's well known that the United States was set up by Freemasons. Their symbols are everywhere. And he said in his own book, he says this federation hopefully will lead to a federation of the world. And he said... It will be run by a council of 12 wise men. That's the destiny of the U.S. It was set up to do exactly as it is doing. Its symbols, as I say, are everywhere in Washington, D.C., or Freemasonry. And all the ancient symbols they dragged up from the past, from ancient secret societies. The phoenix bird is all over the architecture. It wasn't the eagle they had above on the logos, it was actually the phoenix bird with a little tuft of, of feather at the top, rising from the ashes. Mr. Bacon's New Atlantis. From WorldNet Daily, November 29, 2008. This is the one about the gift certificates. Matters of life and death, outrage over planned parenthood Christmas gift cards. And it's by Bob Unruh, 2008, as I say. Planned Parenthood. The Planned Parenthood, remember, came out of the Eugenic Society. Uh, it, was, it was started off by Margaret Sanger, who was an advocate at Adolf Hitler. She adored Hitler and Stalin. She liked them both because they, had, they were into socialist policy, where scientists and reason have the right to rule over people to make a better world. And she was into abortion. Of course, the foundations were right there behind them. The same foundations are backing her, you see. This is Planned Parenthood, which in the past years have promoted a choice on earth, a choice on earth abortion campaign during the Christmas season, has a new outreach offering Christmas gift certificates to be used for abortions. And down, down later on it says, 
It says, according to the Lone Star Times, the nation's leading player in the abortion industry is celebrating the most important crisis pregnancy of all time by selling gift certificates, perfect for the woman who has everything but moral fiber. And it's so much easier than finding the perfect baby's first Christmas ornament. According to Wish TV in Indianapolis, the controversial plan has people talking. People are making really tough decisions about putting gas near car and food on the table, so we know that many women especially put health care at the bottom of their list to do. Crystal Struben Hall, an official for the abortion business, told the station. The report said certificates come in $25 increments and can be used for everything from birth control to $58 examinations that include breast exams and pap tests. They can, seen, they can be seen for sexually transmitted disease screenings, HIV tests, general prostate exams, and those kind of things said at Struben Hall. But can they be used for abortions? Of course, Struben Hall said, we decided not to put restrictions on. <laughs> Stanek has campaigned to alert the American public of President-elect blah, blah, blah. He was a bit Obama, because apparently he's for all this abortion stuff. But that's how low have sunk. And, you know, nothing is dirty enough anymore to do with, with people and what you do with people. You accept torture openly. We see it on television. Who can forget all the images from, from, from Guantanamo Bay with all those terrible things going on in and Iraq as well? Who, who can forget those images? And yet so many people can't tell the difference between what they're seeing and, and movies anymore because they've desensitized people through blood and gore and torture in movies until we're sitting ducks. And that's really what we are, you see. We're sitting ducks, ready for the mass call, ready to do whatever we're told to do by the new Fuhrer, whoever it might be, probably a wise man, I'd imagine. And no one can say boo, because there's political correctness everywhere. Do you know, as I say, when the foundations fund the universities and hospitals too, by the way, and they come to rely upon these grants, eventually, and even you know, even churches too. Remember, Rockefeller set up the World Council of Churches, which I call WCC, which is Wicca, you see. And the whole idea was to get policy introduced, and that's through all the branches of of churches, all denominations. And here's a eugenicist in the top with his massive teams deciding what will be taught in church. And then they gave the, the churches tax exemption. And then tax exemption came with a list of demands of what they could talk about in church and what they couldn't preach. And that's how you shut people's mouths. You bribe them. You pay them off. And it works very, very well. Quite extraordinary, isn't it? And predictable. But foundations rule our lives. Here's an article here. It's called, Global Warming is Not Due to Human Contribution of Carbon Dioxide. And it's from Dr. Timothy Ball from Victoria, British Columbia. He says, global warming as we think we know it doesn't exist I'm not the only one trying to make people open their eyes and see the truth, but few listen, despite the fact that I was the first Canadian PhD in climatology. 
and I have an extensive background in climatology, especially reconstruction of past climates and the impact of climate change on human history and the human condition. Few listen, even though I have a PhD Doctor of Science from the University of London, England, and was a climatology professor at the University of Winnipeg. For some reason, actually for many, the world is not listening, and here is why. What would happen if tomorrow we were told that after all the earth is flat would probably be the most important piece of news in the media and would generate a lot of debate? So why is it that when scientists who have studied the global warming phenomenon for years say that humans are not the cause, nobody listens? Why does no one acknowledge that the emperor has no clothes on? I said that years ago. But the fact is, you see, it's the agenda. Again, the Club of Rome, does it blame humanity for causing global warming? And that would fit the bill. That's why it's on everyone's lips and it's taught through the universities. You're a heretic if you say it isn't. This is what would happen if tomorrow were tomorrow. It says, believe it or not, global warming is not due to human contribution of carbon dioxide. This, in fact, is the greatest deception in the history of science. We're wasting time, energy, and trillions of dollars while creating unnecessary fear and consternation over an issue with no scientific justification. For example, Environment Canada brags about spending $3.7 billion on the last five years dealing with climate change, almost all on propaganda, trying to defend an indefensible scientific position, while at the same time closing weather stations, and it's true, they have been closing them all over the place, and failing to meet legislated pollution targets. No sensible person seeks conflict, especially with governments, but if we don't pursue the truth, we are lost as individuals and as a society. I should jump in here and see that this too. You see, the next big stock market system we're going to have is going to be based on sustainability. That's what the new economic system is planned to do. And they're going to be trading in carbon credits. They're already doing it. You're paying big amounts of money for a bunch of hot air. Literally. A complete fantasy. And under the guise of saving the environment, you are going to be under a Gestapo rule that the world has never, ever dreamt of. But it comes to what you can and cannot do and where you can live and how you can live and everything else. You are going to have no privacy whatsoever. None, none whatsoever. To save the planet, you understand. It says, maybe for the same reason we believed that 30 years ago that global cooling was the biggest threat, a matter of faith. It is a cold fact, very good. The global cooling presents humankind with the most important social, political, adaptive challenge we've had to deal with for 10,000 years. Your stake in the decisions we make concerning it is of ultimate importance. The survival of ourselves, our children, our species, wrote Lowell Ponte in 1976. See, they tried global cooling, and there was one guy who works for the United Nations, he's a PR guy, he, he wrote so The Coming Ice Age. Now he's, he's telling me the, the coming warming age, you see. He says, I was as opposed to the threats of impending doom then, he was talking about, as global cooling engendered as I am to the threats made about global warming. Let me stress, I'm not denying the phenomenon has occurred. The world has warmed since 1680, then a deer of a cool period called the Little Ice Age that has generally continued to the present. These climate changes are well within natural variability and explained quite easily by changes in the sun. 
but there's nothing unusual going on. You see, we've always had ups and downs and ups and downs and ups and downs. In the early Middle Ages, they stopped building buildings with chimneys in them and even had cooking areas outside because it was so warm. The winters were so warm, didn't need them. Read about the Crusades. It was the warmest time of all for over 100 years, almost 200 years. Again, people don't read anymore or they get their, their, their history from Hollywood. It says here, Since I obtained my doctorate in climatology from the University of London, Queen Mary College, England, my career has spanned two climate cycles. Temperatures declined from 1940 to 1980, and in the early 70s, global cooling became the consensus. This proves that consensus is not a scientific fact. By the 1990s, temperatures appeared to have reversed, and global warming became the consensus. It appears I'll witness another cycle before retiring, as the major mechanisms and the global temperature trends now indicate a cooling. So why is it, you see, why is it they're all on board, all the mouthpieces across the world? Why is the UN got its own big panel of paid experts? They make their money in all this hot air. And they've got to spout this stuff to keep their big fat salaries. Why is it? It's because it is the agenda. It is the agenda. In this new economic system, remember, everything is going to be tied together on sustainability. Global warming, carbon taxes, and a bunch of other incredible farces which will be indoctrinated and are being indoctrinated into the children right now, back after this break. I am Alan Watts, and we're cutting through the matrix of hot air tonight and how it's going to affect our lives as we pay and get taxed into the, the ground where all the carbon is hiding. Reading an article by Dr. Timothy Ball, and I'm leaving the link, the, the link at the, on my site tonight. You can check into it. He is he's a series of 11 2008 articles in climate change, and I'll leave the the link where you can look up for yourself. But something interesting here, he says, he says, I was greatly influenced several years ago by Aaron Wildavsky's book, But Is It True? The author taught political science at New York University and realized how science was being influenced by and apparently misused by politics and allied foundations. He gave his graduate students an assignment to pursue the science behind a policy generated by a highly publicized environmental concern. To his and their surprise, they found there was little scientific evidence, consensus, and justification for the policy. He only realized the extent to which Wildavsky's findings occur when you ask the question he posed. Wildavsky's students did it in the safety of academia and with the excuse that it was an assignment. I have learned it is a difficult question to ask in the real world. However, I firmly believe it is the most important question to ask if we are to advance in the right direction. And he goes on to say as well in this article that they actually call you, his own colleagues, you see, and, and those who are all politically correct, will call you uh, um, uh, a global warming denier and tying it in with Holocaust denier, you see. It's like a slur. You call you Nazi and you shut up. And that's how the, the techniques work. 
the communists use these techniques all the time for slowing people, making you shut up. That's where they really brought to perfection. So now you're actually a global warming denier, you see. And it's meant to make you a laughing stock. Very, very interesting. But that's what's happening in the world. And those who have minds which are still working and they're not staking on the table and be so burdened by choice and consent, as Albert Pike said, aren't taking notice of this world they're bringing in, this high-security, totalitarian system worldwide. And no one is to be exempt. No country, no people have to be exempt. They've all to be brought into the same sheep pen and guarded closely. Because, you see, the world wisdom guys have decided that all of you are the problem. You're the danger to the world. Therefore, you have to be watched carefully. Carefully. And it's coming to the stage, and people are probably ready for it too, because I've had so much propaganda. You know, those folk who watch television. That's a reality. They've had so much propaganda that there are just too many people. The same eugenics BS we've had for a hundred odd years. As they draw, in fact, longer than that, go back to Malthus. When they just draw figures out the air and give us population quotes, etc. Now, there are enough on the fact that we're all being sterilized anyway. I've given you the evidence, the articles, and so on. This is being done deliberately. And it's up to every single one of you out there to do something about it. Even change your own habits. Stop eating the products and drinking the products that's full of this stuff. And tell others about it too. Tell them the world they're allowing to come into shape. Tell them what it's going to be. Ask them if they're concerned about it. And start forming your own groups. And you've got to start opposing this hell that's been brought into play very quickly. Well, I'm Alan Watts, and it's, a, a, it's from a, a very snowy interior Canada. From Hamish myself, it's good night, and may your God or your gods go with you. And I'll be back tomorrow night with more. <laughs>